Welcome to Necessary Rebels. I'm Sandra. And I'm Kanna. We're two professional women who are passionate about tackling racism and inequalities in life and work. Whether you're in the USA or the UK, change is happening. Do you want to know how to be actively anti-racist? Do you want advice on challenging racism? Do you know how to have those uncomfortable conversations? Then lean in and join us with great tips from professionals on how to be a necessary rebel. Oh my God, Liz, welcome to Necessary Rebels. I think we've been trying to get you on this podcast since the very beginning and it just hasn't worked out, has it? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Work has been really busy, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I know. So welcome. This is Liz, who's a midwife in a London hospital. I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Liz. Lovely. Thank you, Sandra, for having me on your podcast. My name is Liz and I've been a midwife for over five years now. I started off in the hospital, but at the moment I currently work in the community, which I absolutely love. Amazing. We're so happy to have you on the show today. I mean, there's so much going on with Black maternal health at the moment and Black infant deaths as well. And I guess a good place to start is, so what do we know for sure? We know that Black women in the UK are five times more likely to die in childbirth than white women and up to six weeks postpartum. These are real women behind these statistics. Why do you think Black women are being singled out in this way it's very sad it's a sad statistic especially i'm a black person so obviously you know it's enriches home you know from the recent like statistics like this was maternal death rate in the uk from 2014 to 2016 the black women recorded about 40 per hundred thousand pregnancy which is very significant considering in terms of the percentage for black women in the UK, that's quite a lot. There's so many different factors, I would say, contribute to what's this. I work in a London hospital, which is pretty diverse, but the majority of the women like we look after are more from black Asian mm-hmm. minority. However, I do have, you know, black women like every now and then. We are more likely to be in the lower social economic class so we're more likely to probably not have the most of support in terms of like financial support and maybe even family support or even just things like just having like a good partner it does play a major role and also when it comes to in terms of like our physical health we are more likely to be overweight and also, we are more likely to probably go on to have, like, for example, gestational diabetes in pregnancy, which is obviously is always linked with, like, the high BMI. It is still not, you know, it's not an excuse. I think we have to start to see a woman as an individual and try to tailor our care to our needs so if you are seeing a lady in front of you that you know has got all of these risk factors is about trying to identify these risk factors and trying to create a care plan suitable for that Mm. woman 
and trying to, you know, fix things, you know, at the early stages and acting in it. I'm sure a lot of what you say is correct. There are lots of kind of social factors and risk factors. I mean, what do you think? Do you think unconscious bias is playing a key role? Do you think, you know, pain is being dismissed? I mean, because, you know, people assume that Black women can tolerate more pain. You know, Black skin is tougher. Are these playing a key role? Yes, it can, to a degree. Like, I would give an example. There was an incident that happened three years ago. This very recent 34-year-old lady from African descent and with a first baby. She had a first baby at my hospital, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't really happy with the care there. And she decided to go on to have a second baby at a different hospital. She had a caesarean section. She was discharged pretty much on the same day or the next day but she was complaining that she wasn't feeling okay Mm -hmm. and that she was in a lot of pain however she was still sent home unfortunately her husband had to rush her home back to A&E so they sent her home while she was complaining about pain yes they sent her home and unfortunately she was rushed back in because she became really, really unwell. And on this occasion, sadly, she did not make it. She passed away. How old was she? And this was 34. When I got this news, I literally, I was just crying. And even now that I talk Mm. about it, I am getting emotional about it. Because it's just one of those things you like. She's just 34. She's left behind a baby and a three-year-old like toddler and it just makes you wonder like this can be Mm. avoided if only someone had just listened and not dismiss a pain or how she was feeling because at the end of the day in as much as we as healthcare professionals can be quite either maybe judgmental of, oh, why is she complaining that she's not the first baby that's had a baby and things like that. But we need to be mindful and we need to be aware that sometimes when someone is telling you something doesn't feel right, even if it's just you taking a moment back to actually listen to this person, do your full observation. Yes, you need the bed, but now we've got a dead woman. Like, this thing's done, you know, it's just about listening to the person and saying, mm. you know what, okay, if you don't feel okay, let's get the doctor to review you, you know, let's see what's going on, do further investigations rather than just sending a woman home. This, you know, her life mm. is gone. She's no more and it's very sad. And this is happening even here in the UK. Like you would think that, oh no, you know, this should not be happening in the UK, but it does happen. And yes, it's of course a serious investigation. They would investigate it, but no amount of investigation is going to bring this woman it's back. It's not going to bring this woman so, back. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important that we as our professionals were listening because I do not think if it was the other way around, if it was a white woman, I could bet you, I don't think it would be similar outcome because the white woman would probably say, no, I am not going home. And she's less likely to be sent home because Mm -hmm. there is this, I don't know if it's conscious or unconscious bias, um, that, you know, we tend to treat 
that a white woman would I say like better or we tend to listen a lot more and maybe because it stems from the fact that from my own experience like white women are more mm. assertive so I would encourage like black women to be a lot more assertive it does not matter it may come across I know there is the old stereotype about oh our black woman is aggressive and it's not about being aggressive it's about being assertive if you feel like you're not being listened to all hospitals have got managers put in place to cover areas if you feel like the midwife the doctor that's looking after you is not listening to you if you feel like you're not understanding what's going on around you you do have a right to talk about it you do have a right to request for the manager and the moment you start to talk this way people start to you know take caution like oh okay i don't want to you know get a complaint and things like that because people start to realize that you're not one to just you know walk all over and it's so important and i know it's really hard because you know you've got your baby, you're pregnant, you feel like, oh, I don't want to come across as that attention seeker or that woman that always aggressive. But at the end of the day, it's your body and it's your baby. And I feel like you do have a right to know what's going on. You do have a right to be listening to. You do have a right to feel like, okay, if I'm not okay, there's someone to kind of say, okay, you know, I can we care for you rather than just dismissing your pain or your questions and things like that. So it's so important. It may come across as, oh, but it's best to be assertive and to always, you know, take things further. So if you feel like the midwife is not listening to you, there would always be someone above the midwife. There is always a senior. So it's so important to like take this up and I feel like these are part of the reasons why outcomes are significantly different with a white woman and a black woman because with the white woman they're more likely to complain they are more likely to talk they're more likely to speak out and it's not seen as aggressive it's seen as assertive so we as black moms they need to start to speak out there is also the part of you know if english is not your first language you have like broader outcomes and these are evidence and research that suggests that that's because obviously you don't feel as confident in yourself and you feel like this is not my first language you're not going to talk but there are services put in place that we have the language line the interpreting services and these are services that's been put in place just so a woman feels listened to, a woman feels heard, a woman feels like she is a part of a care, which is very important. So if you're a mum that you don't understand English language, you have a right to have an interpreter, either via phone, either physically, you have a right to these things. And it's very important you ask for these services because these services are there that's really helpful it's, it's really good for women listening right now but just going back to you know the story of the woman there is this false kind of narrative that black people feel pain less and that really does upset me I mean when I had my daughter this is you know 20 plus years ago 
when I, I was a teenage mom and when I had her in hospital, they treated me really, really badly. And they were saying things like, oh, she'll be back here, you know, in eight months time. They're just really horrible to me. This is while I was delivering a baby and I was very, very young. And I remember they sent me home after three days, even though I had complained of pain and I was bleeding quite heavily. And they said I would be fine. They sent me home. My daughter stayed in hospital longer because she was premature. And I was living with my grandparents at the time. And my mom had come to see me. And the minute she saw me, she says, right, you need to get dressed. I'm taking you to the hospital right now. My mom, who's a nurse, I don't know what it was, if it was just the way that I was looking, a smell in the air. I don't know what it was, but right away she knew I wasn't well. And when I'd gone back to the hospital, they said if I hadn't gone within 24 hours of that time, that I would have died of sepsis because they had left after birth. So they'd left some of the placenta behind. That's how I was treated. So my mother basically saved my life. Like I just assumed everything that was happening to me was this natural, was supposed to happen to me giving birth. Like no one ever told me what to expect. I didn't, no one spoke to me properly after having a baby. And I was young, right? So I didn't get any aftercare. I didn't get any support. I was just sent home, left my baby in hospital. You were, you were on your own. I ended up spending another two weeks in hospital to deal with the infection that I had. And it upsets me when I hear these stories because I think, why is it still happening? Why am I still hearing the same stories? Why are we still not being listened to as Black women? Why are we still having to go through this over and over again? Why won't they listen? Like you, I just find it really upsetting when you keep hearing the same stories. You just think, something's got to change, right? I mean, something has to change. I feel like there is this thing of, you know, Black lives don't really matter. Like, oh yeah, you know, if she's in pain, she's not actually in pain. It's unfortunate, but these are the things that it requires, but like effort from like all healthcare professionals, and even as a pregnant woman accessing care as well. If you feel like you're being dismissed, missed especially here in the mm-hmm. UK, you have a right, like, you could have your baby in whatever hospital. You could ask for a different midwife if you feel like your midwife is actually not listening to you. And these are the things... It's difficult, and I know that, but if we don't start to challenge just behaviours, and if we don't start to be a lot more assertive, then we're still going to keep getting dismissed Mm. with, like, the pains and all of that. If you feel like you're not being listened to, the moment you say, you know what, can I speak to the manager, you know, they would not just Mm. get rid of you. It's going to be really hard to get rid of you. And as healthcare professionals as well, white, black, Asian, whatever it is, we have to start to tackle those things. Even if it's your fellow colleague doing this, you need to be telling them it's not right. You need to be speaking out. You need to be whistleblowing. These are the things, and this is the only way we are able to overcome all of this because... If on the other hand, we as black professionals are trying to, you know, Mm. 
to stop this disparities mm. and then you have your colleague that don't think it's a problem mm. that's a problem in itself so we have to work but together. isn't it exhausting liz right the fact that you've got to do it this is. right the fact that you've got to be louder you've got to be stronger you've got to be more confident you've got to do all these things what are they doing when you're doing all of this right when you're doing all of this what are they doing it is exhausting. Like there are times when it's like bad hags. It's just so much. And you're trying to say, okay, there are times when I've had to like talk to that colleague that maybe the way you've spoken to that client could have been better, you know? And you're just like, where do you start from? And it's difficult. I'm not going to say it's easy. It was part of the reasons I left the hospital because it was just like I was always putting in an incident. I was always fighting, you know, dated. I was always challenging and challenging. And as a newly qualified midwife, there's only so much challenging you can do. But I think it's a battle. Yeah. We just have to keep fighting and fighting, unfortunately. But that's just what we can yeah. do. And we need to educate ourselves more you need to feel like you're part of your pregnancy because at the end of the day it's a journey it's a journey that you should feel a part of you should know what's going on in this journey and if you feel like you're not being listened to if you feel like you know there are things you're not understanding and no one is wanting to explain you should be able to ask questions like i do not i do not understand this okay you said this what's going on you know Okay, so what's the plan of care? Okay, we should be able to have conversations. Unfortunately, it is what it is. We would have to. It's going to take a while. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but, you know, we need to be mm -hmm. a lot more certain. Do the midwives receive kind of implicit bias training or education and how they promote awareness of how bias affects the care of Black women? Yeah, Are they receiving any of this type of training? Yeah. We definitely do. There is also even avenues for even clients as well to give, you know, feedbacks and things like that, just so, you know, they're able to review all of these things on a daily to like weekly basis. And also I'm pretty fortunate to work in a very diverse way. But even with that being said, there is still, you know, occasions where you're like this should not be happening but it still happens but there are definitely you know opportunities for clients to you know have like birth reflection to give feedbacks both positive and negative and they normally would talk to like midwives and that involved you know in the care in terms of diversity as well, they, they try to encourage diversity. And I would say, like, there is a lot of work going around, like, diversity and, and things like that. Because even though it's always happened, but I feel like it's in recent times, people are beginning to realise that actually there is a massive disparity in outcomes for Black women. And that's why there is a lot of work being in place you know for our mums that are let's say not so privileged in terms of like finances there is support in place to different groups to help support mums that maybe maybe going 
um, with like domestic violence and things like that, there are support in place. But I think the most part where things tend to go wrong is in that process in the hospital. I don't know, maybe it's the fact that, oh, maybe it's the staff shortage or the fact that people are working really under immense pressure. I don't Mm. know what it is. But that's when, you know, things tend to go wrong. That's when things get, you know, tends to get missed. And I feel like we need to start to question those times because it's all down to like, oh, yeah, you know, we need the beds. It's always down to that. It's always down to you're no longer a priority. Now you've had your baby, you know, postnatal care, which is after a woman has had a baby, is where lacks the most in midwifery, in like, it's where, like, this is research studies. It's the part that lacks. So the this is after the mom has um, been sent home. Mm. Yeah, after the mom has been sent home. Like, there's not a lot of support. And that's when, you know, things are more likely to get wrong. So it's very important to give as much advice to this woman. And if you feel like, oh, you know, it's someone that maybe... It's not understanding you either due to language barrier or anything. Make sure you're using services to make sure this woman is understanding and she knows what to do if whatever reason, like things, you know, it's not okay. You know, she knows where to go and things like that. And also even like during labour in a hospital as well, there are situations where like I mentioned earlier on, where y'all know you're not an established labor. Who are you to tell a woman? This other thing, and it's about are you saying things as well? You can't have family yet because you're not in, but people fail to realize that everyone's pain threshold is different and what may be okay for you to tolerate may not be okay for the next woman Mm. to tolerate and it's absolutely fine so you always have to continuously look at different women and you always have to tailor your care you cannot say oh well because you're black and i don't know where they get that from that black has got thick skin like i can't even get my brass threaded i cry i can't stand Mm. pain so I don't know where they get that from. I feel like pain should be treated as what someone says it is for them. If someone is telling you you're in pain, I'm sure the majority of people are not lying that they're in pain. What exactly would be your gain if they say, oh, they're in pain to get some, I don't know, some medication to get them high or what? (laughs) Why would a woman be, do you understand? Like, why would a woman be saying, oh, I'm in pain when she's not in pain? It makes no sense to me. And I feel like we really need to do better. I agree. This whole thing about pain gets on my goddamn nerves. I mean, when you think about the history of it, so Black people were routinely subjected to experimentation by the so-called father of modern gynecology back in the U.S. who performed experimental surgeries during the, I think it was the 1840s on Black female slaves in the American South without anesthesia, okay? Let me say that again. Without anesthesia, as he perfected his clinical techniques. This is where this is stemming from, this whole thing about pain. As far as many at the time were concerned, 
Black people didn't feel pain in the same way as European people. And the fact that they still feel like this, they still believe this bullshit gets on my nerves. They still believe this. This is still endemic in medical society today. Gets on my nerves. Are you noticing a qualitative difference in aftercare for Black women compared to white women? So you're saying Black women are are not getting enough of the kind of postpartum care, but are white women getting it? Is there a huge difference in the way that they're receiving this care? Yes. And also, I feel like, for example, if I go to do like home visit, you know, I don't know what it is. Like, if let's say I go to see a client who is white, we would have conversations. Like, she would ask questions and questions, you know. But if I go to a black woman, I don't know what it is. I have to continue to say, are you okay? Do you have any questions? So I don't know if it stems from a, I don't want to ask, or I don't know what it is, but, and sometimes, you know, you're like, are you okay? And they're not as engaging. Mm. So that's another thing that I have noticed in my own sort of, I feel like black women don't, I don't know if it's that they don't really want to talk. Yeah, but we need to talk more, regardless of whatever stereotypes that there may be in terms of like how a black woman presents herself. We still need to talk and we still need to have conversations. And if you feel like, you know, you're not being listened to, you need to like take it up. You need to report it. When we're thinking about kind of implicit biases as well, there's something about the tone in which people speak to you. I know you said this as well. It's the way that, you know, they talk to birthing mothers, you know, their kind of interactions with them. But there is definitely yeah. this kind of condescending tone, which I think decreases yes. the likelihood that we birthing mothers will feel heard and valued, right? And that, that really... If that's what you're kind of contending with, like how is this birthing experience supposed to be this really special, beautiful experience if this is what you're having to contend with? Pregnancy, childbirth, labor, all of this. That's hard, if, if man. not one of the most intense thing ever mm. a woman would do in our life. Yeah. And I feel like the last thing she needs is for someone shouting at her. That's the last thing she needs right now. I feel sorry for anyone who was shouting at me. I'm telling you, birthing or (laughs) (laughs) non-birthing, it would not be pretty for them, I assure you. We need to be a lot more empathetic. So when you are noticing some of the kind of disparities or discrepancies around you or people being badly treated, like, do you feel as a Black midwife, you have a voice, you know, that there's a place for you to be heard as well? Sometimes I don't feel heard, but sometimes I do. But in those times when I don't feel heard, I would always kind of take it up to the next. You know, I would always, you'd see me writing emails and upon emails. Mm. I feel like, you know, you have to, you always have to, because, you know, some people, like not all managers would sort of support you or see things from your point of view. Some people would see it as, oh, maybe I'm just being sensitive or or maybe because I'm black and, you know, or maybe I'm just overthinking. But there would always be that person 
that you could say, look, this is what I think. I don't think it should be this way. And when that doesn't work, I always would write to like, my, you know, feel like my incident. So this, when you're feeling an incident, it goes to like a bunch of different managers. Mm-hmm. So I am sure of all of those managers, there must be someone there yeah. that would kind of, you know, take it out. That's the good thing about whistleblowing because you're not just doing it for the fun of it. You are actually lighting, you know, things that we should become mm. aware of. And then people can put, you know, plans in place and things like that. Or, you know, talk to those involved. And that's the importance of this thing. So, yeah, there are times when I think for me, where I find it the most difficult when I don't feel heard is when I am at, let's say, a position of like maybe as a student midwife or as a newly qualified midwife, it is quite difficult because how do you say to a midwife that's been a midwife for 15, 20 years that that's not good enough, you know? Those are the instances I actually feel like, oh my God, it's, oh. And then I would have to just have to put in the datings and, you know, Mm. because, because when you're talking to people and you get that kind of defensive mechanism from them, you're just like, oh, okay, Mm. I'd rather just not talk about it with you, but I'm just going to like report it. It's a lot to think about, isn't it? I mean, it is definitely a lot to think about. But you do feel like you yourself feel like you've got the confidence to speak up. Because that's what we want all of the midwives to have, that kind of confidence to be able to speak up in these spaces. We need to be able to speak up in these spaces. We need to be able to say, wait a minute, let's listen to what this mum is saying. Can we all just take a minute and just listen for just one minute? Like we need midwives in the room who feel confident enough to do that, to say those things. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. definitely. I guess what would you like black women to know who might be listening to this podcast about their rights? So for example, do you have the right to pain relief? Can you ask for a cesarean? Are there kind of any steps you would recommend for women? You know, how do they know what their rights are? So what I would say to black women listening to this podcast and to other women as well that may feel like, you know, they're not being heard or they're not being listened to, you matter. Mm. You matter a lot. And your pregnancy journey should be something you should feel a part of. So right from the start of your pregnancy in the UK, they've been trying to do this thing called like continuity of carer where you get to see a minimum of around two to five midwives throughout your pregnancy journey so you're being assigned to like a team of midwives and more like you would have like your main midwife and that has shown to reduce you know Mm. poorer outcomes for both mom and baby which I think is very good so if you are an expectant mother and you're at the start of your pregnancy, these are the things you should start to, you know, you want to know who is your main midwife. You want to know, you know, at what different stages would you be seen in your pregnancy. You want to know, you know, what sort of blood tests are you mm. supposed to be doing? 
even if you go on the NHS website as well, all of these things that are on there, like antenatal care and like pregnancy, is all outlined there, and no one can tell you otherwise. If you do have your named midwife and you feel like she's not a great midwife or she's not an empathetic midwife or she's one that just wants to always, you know, get you out of the room when the appointment is here, she doesn't want to listen to you, you do have a right. There would always be a team manager that you could always speak to and say you would rather another midwife and you do Mm. have a right to this. If you are at a hospital where you feel like you're not being listened to, you can have your baby in whatever hospital you want to have your baby in the UK, as long as, of course, you have to just book your care with that hospital and continue your care with that hospital. But never feel as though as there is no option. Never feel as though as, oh, you have no choice, you just have to stick with this horrible midwife or stick with this horrible doctor. That's not true. You do have a choice. There are always managers to speak to. There would always be someone that would listen to your complaints and things like that. And for those women that may not be very fluent in English and things like that, you do have access to yeah. like support. For moms that you know may not be financially strong in terms of you know you don't have the finance, there are support as well in place you okay and when you do go to the hospital when you're having your baby it's very important to voice out whatever it is you're experiencing and if you feel like you've not been listened to ask to speak to the the labor ward or birthing center like leader there is always someone at every department in maternity someone overlooks everything so don't ever feel like oh well oh, my baby, no one is going to do nothing to your baby. No one is going to do nothing to you because it's it's not ethical. So, because that's always one of the biggest fear, like, oh, I don't want them to hurt my baby. You know, I don't want them to hurt me. And that's why a lot of the time women tend to hold back what they want to say or if they feel like they've not been listened to and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to be the one that always, always has something to say. If you have something to say, I would encourage you to please say because just you speaking and saying oh you're feeling this way could be what would save you god forbid there was to be something going wrong so it's very important to speak up and i would also encourage you to like document and write as many questions or whatever it is know the people you're seeing at your your different stages in your pregnancy those sort of things yeah that's really good advice documenting your journey as well and documenting you know what what's happening at your visit your you know yeah i think that's really and on the other side of that as well you get what i hear from women is that they're worried that they're going to be stereotyped as the angry black woman if they are really loud or they are really fighting for themselves being kind of stereotyped in that way kind of shaped their entire experience. And so, you know what I mean? It's like you can't win, right? You're kind of fighting this battle. You're always fighting this battle and you can't win. But it's so important, isn't it? But we do need Black birthing moms to speak up for themselves. Like that's definitely key. Really, really speak up for themselves. And as you say, 
if they're not being listened to by this particular person, they need to ask for a senior member of staff or a manager. They need to be able to be heard. They need to be able to advocate for themselves. I would also encourage mums as well to have a really strong support system in place. That could be like partner, friends, mother, father, someone. And it's very important as mums to listen to your intuitions. It plays such a major role. So sometimes healthcare professionals, obviously, we go by the book. But sometimes things don't Mm. always go by the book. And sometimes it's just your intuition saying something does not feel right. Don't always dismiss your intuition because there's a reason why you're feeling that way. So just always like say it. So what I'm hearing from you is what we want mothers to take away from this is to speak up, to have a support system in place. So find an advocate, maybe not be afraid to ask for what you want and maybe getting a second opinion if you need one and also writing everything down. So documenting everything. Definitely. I think that's really, really important. It's a really good takeaway for you know, pregnant women who might be listening to this now, or if anyone listening might know someone who's pregnant to take away from the episode today. I think it's probably really important to say that it is statistically safe to have a child in this country. Is that right? I mean, this is one of the safest places in the world to have a baby. So we don't want Black mothers thinking, oh, good Lord, I can't have a baby here. It is still one of the safest places to have babies. And the good thing, I would say, yes, we still have the racial biases, you know, every now and then. But the good thing about here is things would always be investigated. Mm. But we don't want to get to a point of really poor outcomes for things to be investigated. So to avoid these things, it's very important that every step of the way, you feel like I know what's going on with me with my unborn child I know what's going on with my pregnancy and that way you are actually able to okay this does not feel okay Mm. and you're able to talk about it rather than getting to a point where you know not everyone is assertive and it's okay but unfortunately with pregnancy Mm. and childbirth and with the NHS (laughs) We have to be assertive. I guess I just want to say that in order for us to reduce barriers to quality care, access, and confront structural factors, we need to understand the day-to-day lives of Black women. We need to ensure the health of Black women and demand targeting the implicit and explicit racial biases in these settings that endanger their lives. Implicit bias and the deep impact of structural racism must be acknowledged and accepted before real progress can be made in reducing racial disparities in maternal mortality and decreasing maternal deaths overall in the UK. And I think another thing that I've been thinking about, and this needs to happen everywhere, not just, you know, in in kind of private and public sectors, but most definitely in the healthcare system, is that there needs to be representative at every level, right? Including in those higher managerial positions. I mean, if you just think as a black woman, you see a black doctor, you just automatically, you somehow feel you're going to have a different experience. Definitely. Well, it is true because I think obviously you just feel like 
Mm. I can trust this person. I feel like we need to gain the trust yeah. back. You know, as health care professional, we need to gain the trust of our clients back. I understand why, you know, a black woman will probably not trust the health care professional because there's been so much, you know, and we need to gain that trust back. And to gain that trust back, we need to be open. We need to be honest. We need to be willing to listen. We need to stop dismissing people's questions and pain. We need to do all of this. That's the only way we can gain that trust back. As a professional, if you are listening to every single person that you come into contact with, you're showing and you're proving that your professional development or your professional training was not for one specific group of people, but for everybody. For everybody, right? Be a champion in these spaces. Be a health professional for everybody. Liz, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here today. Really, really appreciate you. Thank you so, so much. It's been amazing. Thank you for having me. You can find Necessary Rebels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on Instagram at Necessary underscore Rebels underscore pod. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Necessary Rebels. This was an II Studios production. We'll see you for the next episode. Thank you for listening.